Hi everyone and welcome to the Private Practice with Soul podcast. This is the first podcast for counsellors that just don't align with the traditional approaches to business and that want to use their spiritual gifts, talents and interests to create, you guessed it, a private practice with soul. So look, leave it to me to provide you with everything you need, including strategies that you can use to increase your income, reduce your workload and of course increase inquiries and referrals to your beautiful soul-led private practice. I love it so much. If you haven't done it already, grab your journal, grab your pen and let's begin. Hello everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Private Practice with Soul podcast. Today we're going to talk about niching, which I love. I know not everybody does, but I do. And I'm going to tell you why. Because, well, so many reasons. First off, niching is the best thing ever because I get to fill up my diary every single day with clients that I love working with, that I feel energized by. Like I come away from my sessions and I'm bouncing, you know, and I often say to clients that I'm working with, can you believe we get to do this? (laughs) Like really, can you believe that we get to do this? And I never, ever, ever knew that private practice could be so, well, I don't know that fun is the right word, but so energizing and oh, it just feels so lit up. And I didn't have that until I had a niche. So um, there's that. The other thing too is when you're filling up your diary with soulmate clients, like doing the work that you love, 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 love to do, it doesn't actually feel like work, which is such a cliche, but it's actually true. Um, And yeah, it's just like your highest joy. And I think when you're excited about who you're going to work with or you're looking forward to helping that person, um, it makes such a big difference to how you show up because it really does impact your energy, right? Um, and yeah, I think too, the, the, there are biz, business, big business benefits, <laughs> say that 10 times quickly, to niching. And, you know, I say this all the time. If your practice is, if you're not getting referrals, it's because you're not referable. And I don't say that to be mean. I say that because I want to help you. Um, if, what do I mean by referable? By referable, I have to know why I'm going to send somebody to you, right? Because do you know what? It might surprise you to know Um, But the actual thing is that counsellors referring to each other is the biggest source of referrals in our industry. It's not that we're all getting them from uh, doctors and we're not all getting them from insurers or anything like that. Most of our referrals are going to come from people in our online groups, people in our counselling communities, in our therapeutic networks, all of that sort of stuff. So if I don't, as your peer, know what you actually do, I can't refer anyone to you. (laughs) Um, So I see this so much when people say, um, oh, you know, I I help everybody and I do all of the things. I can't refer anybody to you if you're saying that you help everyone and you do all of the things. If I've got a client sitting in front of me who I said on the last episode, I gave the example, I think, of somebody who was on the spectrum, an adolescent who was on the spectrum and had a dual diagnosis of um, ADHD, for example, 
I know exactly who I'm going to send that person to because that counselor or that private practice is going to be a private practice that's all about, hey, we work with you know adolescents on the spectrum who also have ADHD. Um, now, you might be saying, well, I help everyone do everything using all of the therapies. <laughs> There's no way you can be doing all of that. Um First off, and second off, um, it's not specific enough. You, you're not you're not specialising in anything. So why am I going to send my client to someone who's so general? I want to send my client where they're going to get you know the support they actually need. And so when you are being very vague and you are being so broad in your advertising, um you're going to have a hard time filling your diary. The reality is that it's by having a niche that you start to attract clients because clients know who you are, how you help, what you stand for. Um, I think some counsellors struggle because of limiting beliefs that they have that they end up projecting onto their business, which then gets into which then ends up being projected onto their potential clients. For example, some some people will say to me, um, when I say, oh, you've you've ticked all the boxes on your Psychology Today profile about all the different things that you can help with, like you've got depression, anxiety, sexual dysfunction, um, relationships, grief, this, that, ADHD, autism. And people will say, well, I can do all of that. And I think, yes, but you're not specializing in anything it's not a matter of what can you do but nobody's saying you can or you can't but when you're saying you do all of the things you're actually saying well I don't actually do anything really I'm I'm a generalist Um, and what's going to happen is you're going to get general people coming to you based on your price instead of based on what you actually do because when you're not specializing when you don't have a niche what happens is you end up, without being aware of it, of being in a price competition with other counsellors who are also not specialising because now we've got a potential client sitting here in front of Google going, oh, well, okay, um, 10 practices that I'm looking at say they do all the things for all the ages and all the, you know, diagnosis and blah, 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 blah. Um, Well, I guess if they all do everything, I'm just going to go with the cheapest. And they're going to pick you because you're the cheapest practice. And then guess what's going to happen? You're going to have, you know, um, short-term clients who don't stick around long. You're going to have clients who no-show, who you've got to chase for cancellations, who you need to get debt collection onto if you're, you know, set up for debt collection and that's part of your thing, whatever. And you're not going to be loving what you're doing and it's going to feel hard and you're going to be saying, I've got so many gaps in my diary. Um where are all my clients? Like I'm letting them know that I'm here and I can do all the things. So um, the practices that are really successful have a niche and they stand for something. Now, it doesn't have to be. Here's what I want you to know. Um, hang on. I'm just making a, a, a note for myself. Okay. Here's what here's what I want you to know. Um, there's a limiting belief that says I'm not going to get any clients if I niche. There's also another limiting belief that says I don't want to deny people services. 
I don't even know where this thought came from or where this thought originated, but it has permeated some of the counselling groups that I'm in online. It's like this thing about um, it's not okay to deny people who really need it your service and if you can help, you no, I disagree. I think that it's not your job to be available to help all the people all the time. Um, Those clients who need help are better served or best served by somebody who specializes in helping with that kind of problem. Um, so if, for example, you specialize in um, holistic counseling for women who've been through trauma and you get a, a adolescent come through who's getting bullied, um, well, you've got two things that you've you got a few options, right? Two options come to mind. First off, you can say that you see them if you want. You don't have to deny anybody anything. So if you want to see them, yes, absolutely, you can. The other thing that I want you to know, though, is it's okay for you to say, do you know what, this is not my field of expertise, but I'm connected in a, in, um, a, a community of other therapists, other counsellors, If you like, I can put the feelers out and see if there's somebody in our area that does specialize in, you know, bullying, like school-based bullying, um, and get you some support, you know, would that be okay? And then you come into the groups and you say, hey, I've got, you know, a potential referral here. Um, I've got an adolescent client who's needing some support for bullying at school. Is there somebody who's, you know, specializing in this area or familiar with this work and can take on a client? So... I think that it's always best to stick with what your area of expertise is. And no, you're not an expert in everything. Um, you you will you will have an inclination or you will have a skill set, you will have a passion for one thing a little bit more than everything else, and maybe that's what you focus on. So that's the other thing that we need to be aware of with niching. You're not denying anybody any services. I think it's probably not great if you are just filling your diary with anyone and everyone because that's telling me that you're operating from a scarcity mindset and that you're operating perhaps not always but perhaps you're operating based on uh, the income or based on the turnover you know oh I need it for my diary so I can pay the rent and pay myself there's nothing wrong with that you know, in some ways, but in other ways, there's a whole lot wrong with that because you're not the best person to be helping that client. And if you really want to help them, you'd be referring them on to a specialist. So a few things come up there and you have to really think about the ethics of taking on people that, you know, aren't aligned with your practice, that aren't aligned with your philosophy around health and well-being. Um, do you know what I mean? That they aren't aligned with your area of interest. So how do you find an area of interest when you feel competent in helping everyone? I think there are a few ways to go about it. Um, And I didn't niche for the longest time because I didn't know about niching, okay? Like full transparency, I did not know about niching. Um, I was was such a latecomer to Facebook. Um, All these groups and societies and everything were out there already. I had no idea they even existed. I didn't know about niching. I was just sitting there in the bulk billing medical clinic accepting anyone and everyone that walked through the door that didn't want to pay for a service. Um, When I became private, so I started charging fees, um, 
again, I didn't have a niche because I didn't know about niching. And it was a real learning experience for me, as you've heard from other podcasts. What ended up happening, how I found my niche was as a result of a big problem that happened in psychology a few years ago. And you've probably heard that story before, so I'm not going to go into it again. But that big problem caused you know, what for me at the time felt like a very real dark night of the soul. Um, And from there, that whole world of um, early practices that I had growing up around runes, I Ching, oracle cards, angel cards, tarot, all of that sort of stuff, spirituality, um, made a resurgence in my life at the time. And I couldn't let it go. It was just so powerful, this calling within me that I really wanted to find ways to incorporate it into what I was doing, see if I could, um, see what the rules were or weren't. Um, and eventually, do you know what? The, the calling was just so strong for me that I knew, I knew that I was no longer in alignment with a medical model of working with clients um, or a corporate model or a pharmaceutical model of working with clients. And I knew I needed to um, be able to work outside of that. And that's why I deregistered as a psychologist after 25 years. And with a PhD, I left uh, the medical model of psychology and moved into counseling where I had more, what do I want to say? Hang on, I'm just, bless me, um, where I had more freedom, more space to be able to support people without the reliance on rushing people through treatment, which is very much what Medicare is all about. Um, I didn't want to be rushing people through treatment. I wanted space to sit with them Uh, So they could process things in their own time. And I wanted to be able to talk with them about other things than diagnoses and and treatment plans and and stuff like that. And it was through connecting with that calling and allowing myself to trust the niggle, as Rebecca Campbell would say, like to trust that niggle, um, that my whole world opened up and I became someone that stood for the integration of spiritual practices with private practice. And you know what? That was where I became a leader and it was never my intention to become a leader, but it just happened. And, um, you know, I love helping my clients, whether they're supervisees, mentees, coaches, students, people in my groups, I always now help through a spiritual framework, whether it's helping through um, a framework I created in private practice around the masculine and the feminine, or a framework around um, connecting with source or, or higher self, or supporting practitioners to connect with their with their own inner wisdom, um, you know, so that they're not out there comparing themselves and suffering from the imposter syndrome that that's so readily thrust upon them, you know. So my niche, um, the way that I found mine was 
if you'd said to me when I was working as a psychologist, hey, you need to choose a niche, I would have been open to it because I love learning, right? So I would have been like, oh, okay, what's this? Tell me about niches and and what does that involve and how do you find one? But I didn't have that guidance. So for me, without knowing the steps, for me, it was a matter of I had a life event happen that was pivotal and that, yeah, you know, they talk about your niche finding you, but it was this other way of being that found me and it was me choosing to, you know, stand up for it, even though I knew talking about spirituality was going to leave a bad taste in some people's mouths. Some people would say it's too woo. Some people would say there's no place for it. Some people would say it's not ethical. Some people would say, oh, you're bringing our profession into disrepute. We're all trying to get on Medicare and you're here leading the charge about spirituality and that's, you know, ruining things for us. Um, So I knew that I was going to be up against some of all of that. But at the same time, when you know what your niche is, you know what your niche is and you feel so grounded in that, that it doesn't really affect you what other people are doing or saying. And when you operate from that space of, and it's not confidence, it's just, you're so grounded in your niche that's how you attract people. So even now people come and work with me for um, the spiritual approach. And I don't always say to them, hey, we're going to use a spiritual approach today. It's just the way I operate. I operate through that lens of what's in the highest good? What's my intention here? What's in the highest good for my client and for everybody else. Yes, sometimes I'll pull cards for, um, you know, my students in in workshops and stuff like that, of course. Um, And yes, I do have a service on the side, like one of my, so apart from doing, you know, the things that I've just shared, one of the other things that I've been doing for the last two years is tarot readings for, for private practice owners to give them insight about their business because this really aligns with me of course it's Jungian and of course it's about archetypes and of course it's about symbols but you know what it's also about um, the subconscious mind and you know what when you walk into a busy room who's the only person you can't see it's you right you are the only person that you can't see and that's why things like for me helping people through something like imagery that you might see in um tro cards or oracle cards or angel cards or whatever whatever cards people want to use and people bring cards to sessions now when when they work with me um it it's about unlocking that part of the subconscious mind that helps them to see what they can't see themselves and that's priceless and of course I'm gonna and you know what if they say to me oh I'm doing all of this work and I'm not getting any results that's so great for me to hear because I can apply my masculine and feminine frameworks energetically to you know giving them some guidance around um, what to release what to surrender what to do less of what to allow more of in and you know give them strategies to support them and processes processes to support them in doing all of that so that's what I'm known for now that's my niche now I'm the one that integrates spiritual practice with private practice for private practice owners right so if you want to find your niche um, and if I had to have my time over again do you know what I might not have even found my niche that I'm in now <laughs> it'll probably be something else but um, 
my advice to you would be, you've got a couple of things. You can either look at what um, presenting problems or presenting challenges you really love working with. Like they're juicy, um, they get you so involved, they, you know, you are so, like you get really excited when you see this client in your diary because you love them. Like you love the the um, journey they're on. You love the challenge they're working through. You love the, do you know what I mean? So if you're already seeing clients, what I'd love you to do is get your podcast journal and, and a pen and just jot down the name of, you know, three to five clients that you really, 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 really love working with. And you know the ones I mean, the ones who are in your diary, and you're like, yes, you know, I'm so excited to see that person. I wonder where they're at today and I wonder how they're going. I want you to write their names down or their initials or something in your journal. And after the show, I want you to... Um, really think about what it is that you enjoy working uh what it is that you enjoy working with about them okay is it something to do with their personality is it something to do with the problem that they're coming along with is it something to do with the way that they show up for themselves like just allow yourself to sit there and connect the dots like see what they all have in common the other thing that you can um, use to find your niche is looking at the solution. So maybe you you get so lit up when you see people have an outcome, right? So like me, I'm a results-focused coach. I'm all about the results. I'm all about the results in clients on demand. I'm all about the results in, well, everything that I do, right? So I know one of the things that really lights me up is, you know, hearing about people's results. So what do I have to do then to help them get results? How do I have to show up to help them get results? And what do I want to be known for? I want to be known for that spiritual woo coach over there that you absolutely have to work with because she wants you to get results, right? That's why I want people to come into me. But you think about the results that you want for your clients. So for me, it's I want them to feel confident. I want them to release imposter syndrome, fill their diaries, finally understand what marketing is and be equipped to market their practice without me and all of that sort of stuff. They're the results that I want my clients to get. But have a think about the results you love hearing about with your clients and maybe you become um, niched on the outcome. Okay. So maybe you become niched on the outcome. So what does that actually mean? Well, um, if say, for example, you work with neurodivergent, um, clients and they have trouble, you know, completing tasks, for example, productivity issues, maybe the result that you love to get with them is that they can actually get things done. They can actually finish things. So maybe you become the counselor that, you know, gets that result, right? That that focuses on supporting them to be able to get things done. See what I mean? So that's your second option. The third option is maybe you become um, known and reputed for the method that you use right? So if you really love, let's say we've all learned a lot about all the different um, approaches, 
But maybe there's one approach that you really, really, really enjoy working with. So for me, that's transformational and it's soul psychology. Um, But what is it for you? Is it going to be EMDR? Is it going to be polyvagal? Is it going to be, you know, something else altogether? And maybe your niche is the method that you use. And maybe you get known for being the person that uses that method. And that's your niche, right? And yes, you can, um, you know, still see anybody in the, uh, on the, um, across the lifespan if you wanted to um, because it's not going to matter as much because they're not coming to you for their lifespan. Uh, They're coming to you for the method that you use. So have a think about what method do I really, 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 really enjoy doing? Is it hypnosis? Is it hypnotherapy? Is it walk and talk? Like what do I want to be known for? If I got to choose to be known for one particular methodology, what would it be? Okay, and maybe that's your niche and that's your branding right there. Maybe you are the EMDR counselor. Maybe you are the polyvagal therapist. Maybe you are. Do you know what I mean? Have a play around with it. And there are three ways that you can find your niche. Now, I would just want to caution people who subscribe to this idea of your niche will find you. I, I I disagree with that um, because I think that whatever you put out, you're gonna to, you're going to attract. So I think it comes it always comes from you. <laughs> um, if you persist in not niching, potentially it's going to take you a lot longer to fill your diary. It's going to take you a lot longer to get the turnover. Maybe you could find yourself in a position where you you can't leave your part-time paid employment yet. Um, And it's going to be frustrating and, and just not nice. But I think if you do have a niche, you absolutely set yourself up for success in private practice. Um, Niching is so, 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 so important. Um, There's a lot of fear around it. I don't know why. Um, It only creates positive things. So maybe the fear is the fear of success. You know, sometimes it's, um, I don't know if you've read this book, it's called um, The 21 Day Consciousness Cleanse. But anyway, it's broken up into three lots of seven days. So my coach was talking uh, about this recently on his podcast and he was saying that the first seven days are um, your past, the next seven is your present, the next seven is your future. And it talks about, um, where was I going with this? I've lost my train of thought. (laughs) This always happens to me. Uh, If I can remember it, I'll come back to it. Oh, no, that's it. Um, Yes, but if you're going to be in, like, so in the past section of this book, um, the author's talking about how it can feel like Groundhog Day. Like, um, you feel safe in yourself because it's the self that you know. It's very familiar, even though you're not loving it. Um, It's kind of like you wear the same clothes all the time, you eat the same food all the time, you have the same routine, um, nothing really changes. And it doesn't because, you know, you don't want to shift out of what feels familiar. So you want to start to break that habit and say, well, you know, if it feels familiar to me to be saying I do all the things for all of the people all of the time for all of the ages and it's not working, maybe I do need to 
break this habit um, and maybe I do need to niche. And if you have any fear around it, maybe you need to talk with your supervisor or your coach or your mentor and get some support around your mindset because all the strategies in the world, like there are going to be people that listen to this podcast today and they're going to go, oh my gosh, this was exactly the information I needed to hear. There are going to be other people that listen to this podcast that aren't ready to change and they'll say, no, nah, can't do it, disagree, not for me. Uh, I still am going to um, s- subscribe to the idea that it's denying services and it's this and it's that. And that's okay, you know, because we're all at different stages of the model of change, the cycle of change, okay? That's totally okay. I have to surrender and accept to where we are in this moment. But for those of you who have any doubts and you're still needing some guidance around it, um, tap me on the shoulder, let me know, and I'll be absolutely happy to support you with it in one of our groups. All right, well, I hope you have an amazing weekend. Gabe is down at the hairdresser. Um, having his hair cut. He's not a fan of getting groomed, <laughs> um, little fella. Um, so he's off there doing that. I think he's getting like cuts and, you know, whole treatments on his fur and everything. So for those of you who don't know, Gabe is my rescue fur baby. Um, he's a Maltese cross meatball. <laughs> Love him so, 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 so much. Oh my gosh, this dog is just the best dog in the universe. We are so in love with each other. Um Anyway, so he's off doing that. Um, quick update on the renovations. Spa just got put in today, which is so exciting. Uh, now I can get the inspection done and get that all ticked off. And then something else really, 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 really cool is a duck came up to the window yesterday morning. So where I live in Mount Eliza, um, there's like heaps of established trees and like parks and stuff like that. And anyway, there was this duck and it came right across the front lawn and it came right up to the window of my study. And Gabe was just looking through the glass at this duck and they were just looking at each other. He didn't bark at the duck. The duck didn't quack at him. They were just checking each other out and they stood there checking each other out for a good minute or two. And then I moved because I dropped the, the remote control and then the duck flew off. But so I ruined the magic moment. Those two were happy. <laughs> but anyway, the duck just came back while I was recording the podcast. And maybe the duck is looking for Gabe and wondering where Gabe is because <laughs> Gabe's not here. <laughs> anyway, I hope you all have like a really beautiful weekend. And uh, thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Private Practice with Soul podcast. Bye. I hope that you loved this episode as much as I loved putting it together for you. To get more resources to help you in your private practice, head over to Instagram. My handle is at the private practice coach. And also, if you want more inquiries and referrals for your business, let me know. I have a program called Clients on Demand that opens every quarter, and I can absolutely get you some information for that as well. You are doing an amazing job. Thank you for sharing your gifts with the world. Bye.